Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we are back in the new year. It's 2022. Yeah, honestly, hate it here. No. <laughs> what is that? Wow, already getting because, into the negativity. No, it's not the negativity. I'm sorry. We ended 2021 with a sad moment. We'll talk about it later in the T report, you know, with Betty White. Of course. And so, you know, I'm just hoping 2022 is a lot better. I agree. We got to have some optimism, though. How do you feel over there? I'm having some issues with my headphones. Okay. <laughs> you know, tech issues. It's okay. I'm good. No, but I have to say I'm very excited that we are here. We're in the studio because... In the studio. You might not remember. You might... I, I think have, everyone remembers. I'm just reminding people. You know, <laughs> It's narcissistic to think people are just focused on our lives. But I, I did get COVID during Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and then I was not in the studio all of December. Yeah, and honestly, um... I, I missed you. I'm happy that you're here, but there's been a couple sniffles and coughs. One, I've always had sinus <laughs> issues. Let's be clear on this. I blame my Jewish sinusy dad. No, for you that. can't. You can't blame anyone. It's and just so the way you're That's the problem now with all this stuff. Like, you can't even sniffle no, or it's do so, anything. Let me tell you, I went to go see uh, Spider Man No Way Home yesterday. Yeah. And I was so nerve wracked about mm-hmm. going to the movie theater because I wanted to pick a spot where it was nowhere near anyone. Yeah. I was able to accomplish that. Okay. But I got, like, you know, uh, some MMs, some concessions, but I felt. I honestly felt like I got so worried that I made myself sick. Like, yeah. I went and immediately, like, took a COVID test that I had that I was saving for another time because I was so worried that, oh, my God, I think I have COVID now. Because I, I started to get felt like cold, and I was just like, oh, my God, I need to get out. And I think when you are in those moments, you start to honestly get yourself sick. Like, what's that, what's that thing called, a hypochondriac? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's literally what COVID has produced yeah. all of us to feel. It messes with your head. Yeah. I but- mean, I feel that like my partner was also, he's never sinusy. See, at least I'm sinusy, so it's normal. He never is. Uh-uh. And then he started also the sniffling, and I go, Are you okay? He goes, Yeah, I'm just like, freaking leave me alone. I don't know. I was expecting you to be wearing your mask 24 7 as you're in here. I mean, how am I supposed to talk with a mask on? I don't know. And bring my beautiful voice to people. You, well, I, we're going to have to figure something out because I'm nervous. I mean, this is the risk we need to take to do this job. <laughs> right? Oh, my God. What's what's happening we on today's show, We have a lot show, coming up. You know, over the holidays, if you were online and social media, you might have seen, you know, people talking about NFTs and all this stuff. Who? Who was talking about it? I don't know. On my feed. Well, now Eminem bought this bored ape. Um, you know, now you're, Matt Damon. Oh, you're paying attention to Eminem. Matt Damon. 
I'm not paying attention to him, but it happened that he was one of the big celebrities that bought this thing. Also, Matt Damon was in a commercial that yeah, dropped today. I saw, that. I saw that actually a couple months ago, didn't he? Well, he was in a crypto.com. Yeah. For some reason today, it's just still the dumbest going up thing. again. Yeah. But we're actually having Al Pacino's daughter on, Julie Pacino, who um, is a member of the queer community and has launched an NFT. She's a filmmaker. She's going to talk more about... Um, you know, inclusivity in the NFT community and what it means in the future of that. Can't wait to talk about that interesting There's intersections stuff. in all of this. She has found a new lane to, to put her activism to work. So oh God. here we go. Questionable. 425 p.m. Pacific, 725 p.m. Eastern for uh, uh, Julie Pacino. Okay, uh, first let's get into someone's trending this hour. <laughs> As students go back to school, United Federation of Teachers President Michael Mulgrew warns about teachers that are out sick. Uh, at this moment, we, we don't have the, a final number. Each school is reporting in. But in the metropolitan area, what we saw over uh, the holidays, most of the industries had somewhere between 20 and 30 percent absenteeism due to positive COVID. Uh, COVID. So we're assuming we're going to be somewhere in that percentage between 20 and 30. Wow. 20 to 30 percent of teachers out sick. I mean, here's the thing. There's so much happening um, where I feel even so much. I feel really nervous for teachers and kids right now Mm -hmm. just because everyone is going back. And hopefully they're going to be following the Biden administration's new policy, the test to stay policy, which requires everyone to have to actually take a test before entering into the school. Every and if day. not, they, yeah. Does the school pay for it? I don't know. I, I don't know more. But it's we'll talk lot. We'll talk about it a little bit later. I think the Washington Post is joining us this hour. Great. Uh, and speaking of cases, Los Angeles County reported nearly 45,000 new cases of COVID-19 this weekend. So which is why we take coughing seriously. Yeah, pretty high this. number. Um, <laughs> actually higher than some of the higher numbers we had when we were in the thick of the quarantine. At this point, we know we're not, uh, you know, closing down or the lockdown. Not yet. Honestly, I wouldn't mind. If I'm being honest, I really would not mind being locked down again. I think at this point, it's going to, we're going to rely on the bosses or the heads of companies to make their own decision versus the government. So, wink, wink, no. (laughs) We're like, you know, we could uh, work you know, from home. If we only were back on the 10th. I, I'm, kind of, I'm sick of the sleigh god breathing on me. No, Grace, you, small you, room. You're the only one. I can't believe, honestly, I would have never in a million years thought I would have been in the room with someone who had COVID. <laughs> what do you do? Welcome to the new world. I mean, that's scary. That is really you scary. You know what? It's the reality. I don't, I don't you're trust an you. Anomaly we, don't enough, now. we don't have enough plexiglass. You know, the plexiglass doesn't go high enough. <laughs> Uh, and uh, finally, the New York Attorney General's <laughs> office has subpoenaed two of former President Donald Trump's children for testimony as part of its civil investigation into whether the Trump organization manipulated the value of its properties. Uh, yeah, they subpoenaed Ivanka Trump and Donald Trump Jr. Mm-hmm. So that happened today. That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Oh, I don't want to do it, but 2021 sure knew how to end with a bang. Yes, I am talking about the loss of Betty White. It's time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So, oh my goodness, the beloved comedian, she died on the last Friday, it was? Yeah, last Friday? It was on New Year's Eve day. Which was last Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, At age 99, just two and a half weeks before what would have been her 100th birthday, 
Uh, Betty White, uh, and this is a quote from our agent and close friend, uh, Jeff Witches, um, said that Betty White, quote, died peacefully in her sleep at her home earlier this morning um, and said this, even though Betty was about to be 100, I thought she would live forever. I will miss her terribly, and so will the animal world Mm -hmm. that she loves so much. I don't think Betty ever feared passing uh, because she always wanted to be with her most beloved husband, Alan Lennon. Um, She believes she would be with him again. And our wonderful producer um, actually pulled a clip of her talking about, you know, because she was an ally for our community, right? And she won. Also, black people loved her. Let's just be honest. I think black people were more sad about her than any other death. Um, If I'm being quite honest, like on my timeline, it felt like that. Why do you think that is? Well, I think Betty White just reminds you of um, all the good things about comedy. I think she was able to also blend in the worlds of hip-hop. You saw her taking photos with so many, I mean, like, hip-hop artists where you're just like, what is Betty White doing over there in the hood? Um, But but Betty really got along with everyone. And I think um, that really speaks to the time that we were in and the person that she was. But here she is um, speaking um, and just... Proving to us how wonderful of an LGBTQ ally she was. What has been the significance of the gay community in your career? And what do you have to say to those against gay advances like gay marriage and the like? Oh, I, I, I don't care who you sleep with, whom you sleep with. I don't, I, I don't, it's what kind of a human being are you? I, 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 some, I've never understood why people have. I, I don't understand. It's it's such a personal, private business, and none of mine. So that was um, 2020. Um, <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. That was uh, Larry King in 2014, where she was in an interview with Larry King. And so, um, R.I.P. to Betty White. She will be missed because, honey, there's no one like her. Let's just put that out there. Well, next up, more on the latest COVID-19 surge and how it will impact all of us as we get back to life after the holidays. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, the new year's starting with a massive increase in COVID-19 and doctors are saying it's different than any other time during the pandemic. Joining us right now is Dr. Laura Rush uh, from Do Family Medicine and HIV Medicine at Kaiser Permanente at Palm Springs. Thanks for joining us. Hi, you're welcome. So why is this surge unique? Why is this one unique? Well, it's happening very, very quickly and it's yeah. sort of spreading through all of our communities much faster than we saw with the other the other variants. So this one is hitting us hard and hitting us fast. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's crazy not to have realized that this was probably going to happen again. But we're I mean, are we shocked that it's happening so fast? Should we have prepared a little bit better for everything? You know, you can say that we probably should have been better prepared in terms of making sure that people can get tested when they need to get tested and getting these testing kits that were promised to us, available to us. Uh, right now, they're saying they're supposed to be ready in early January, but that's clearly not soon enough. We should have had, you know, tests available to everybody, you know, probably before, well before the holidays, even sooner. I'm talking about like even before Thanksgiving. But it's not a surprise that we're having this kind of surge. Uh, people were becoming a little bit more lax. People wanted to travel during the holidays. You know, they missed seeing friends and relatives and loved ones a year ago. Yeah. And we, we just saw, you know, people starting to travel and, and go away in droves. And this is where it's hitting us hard now. Yeah. And also, I mean, I, I, we're seeing everyone from the vaccinated to unvaccinated get this. So where does that leave all of us? Like, how should we be preparing and living right now knowing this is just so contagious? Well, right now, if you're vaccinated, you're you're 
more or less safe from being sent to the hospital. And you have a less, far less chance of, of dying from COVID. People who are unvaccinated are 17 times more likely to be hospitalized and up to 20 times more likely to die from COVID. So staying vaccinated or getting vaccinated and getting boosted if you haven't already been boosted is going to be one way to protect yourself. The other one is wearing a mask, obviously, still avoiding large gathering until this peaks. And we're hoping to see that this this current wave, this surge, crests or peaks some point towards mid to end of January. So holding tight until all the way through February. And we already know how to do these things, right? Wash your hands, wear a mask, avoid large groups. And, and just be safe. And then getting tested. If you feel like you've been exposed to someone with COVID, um, you know, wait four or five days, get a test, or the minute symptoms start, absolutely go and get a test. Okay, so let's talk about the new CDC guidelines for quarantine, um, quarantining in isolation, right? That kind of dropped over the holiday break and, and on Monday, yeah. and it really drew some swift criticism where if um, for Americans who con- uh, contract are exposed to COVID-19, it went from 10 days to five days. What are your thoughts about that? Because for me, I don't trust it. I'm, I'm doing the no. full 10 days. A lot of people don't trust, and a lot of epidemiologists were pretty upset because they didn't really offer a whole lot of data to support it. Um, just yet, at least they're testing data. And they did recommend, you know, it's five days of isolation if, you've, you know, if you're you know, COVID positive and you have symptoms. And, you know, that starts to drop off to five days if you're no longer symptomatic. And, you know, whether or not you're positive, you're no longer having symptoms, or if you're not having symptoms, then it's okay to resume activity, meaning go back to work. The question is, is when you know when the two actually became contagious. You know, transmission of this virus typically occurs one to two days before the symptoms start and up to two to three days after symptoms start. And so that's when we see 85 to 95% of viral transmission. So if, if you know exactly when you were possibly contaminated, so to speak, or you, you came down with COVID or exposed to COVID, that's helpful. A lot of people have no idea when or by whom that yeah. they were exposed. And that makes it a little bit harder to deal with these guidelines. And, you know, isolation versus um quarantine are, are different you know you're isolating if it's you you're the one who's sick and quarantine if you've been exposed so it's understanding you know the difference between those two as well and after this surge do you just see this as continuing to happen at different levels like some being weaker than others different variants popping up and it just being the norm yeah, COVID's going to be with us for a long time now it's it's sort of you know the horses out of the barn here and until we can get the rest of the world fully vaccinated, this will continue to mutate. And that's what viruses do, unfortunately. When you have so many countries, third world countries, uh, countries in sub-Saharan Africa that are not fully vaccinated or have a very, very low vaccine rate, the people do get sick um, over and over again. And they cause viruses to mutate because it's running through communities. And then it spreads as we just saw how quickly Omicron spread. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for joining us and for all these updates. We appreciate it. You bet. You guys stay safe out there. You too. That was Dr. Laura Rush uh, from Kaiser Permanente in Palm Springs. Shout out to everyone listening in Palm Springs right now. Hope you're staying safe. Mm-hmm. Well, next up, and this is kind of a continuation of this whole conversation. Could Biden have done anything differently? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the recent news that came out over the holiday that is making many question the administration. That's next. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. 
Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast let's go there with shira and ryan channel q so president biden told governors in a virtual meeting last week that his administration should have done more to speed up the availability of rapid testing before his pledge this month for 500 million kits beginning distribution in January, after all this mess seems a bit too late. Uh, but joining us to share more is Annie Linsky, White House reporter at The Washington Post. Thanks for being here. Hi, thanks for having me. So, of course, now he's doing something, but we could have used that, you know, probably in November before this holiday surge. How big of a blow is this for Biden in terms of public confidence? Look, I think that, um, you know, the president, he campaigned on handling the pandemic well and on competent leadership in um, pulling the country back to a sort of state of normalcy. And when you have images of people in all states across the country in long, long lines waiting to get rapid tests, um, seeing their PCR tests coming back in you know, two or three or four days in some places. Um, I think it's a it's a tremendous blow to, to the president. And you don't often hear a president kind of come out and say, yeah, we should have done more. We, you know, it, it was pretty extraordinary that he has, has acknowledged this. Um, but, you know, there's a the sort of larger problem here is that his approach to COVID has been very dependent on vaccines and and not taking kind of a larger strategic approach to ending the pandemic that goes beyond vaccines. 
Yeah, and I wonder, our health experts, our former administration officials, are they feeling confident that now, even though the focus is back on getting testing out there, are they feeling confident that that's really going to slow down the surge? I mean, at this point, it does not seem like there's much that can slow down the surge, as you put it so well. I mean, you know, we are on this rather extraordinary roller coaster ride right now where cases are just shooting up at, in a rate that we have not seen at all in this pandemic. And, you know, it's far under, even the tests that we, you know, even the you know cases that we, that we do see is underreported since so many people, as we discussed, can't get tests. So, I mean, there seems to be a sense that in this moment, you know, there is not a lot that is going to be done that's going to ease any of the immediate problems people are facing, at least for the next like week or two, until we start getting some of these tests that the president has promised online. Um, it could be that the country goes through the Omicron variant as quickly as other countries like South Africa have. It, it could be that we don't and that it takes a lot longer. And in the sort of situation where it takes longer, there will be more time for some of the sort of late actions that the Biden administration has taken to go into effect. But we're in this pretty terrible period right now where, you know, the tests are not available. And, um, you know, I think people are really buckling in. Yeah. And what are you hearing from insiders in Washington right now in terms of like the mindset of the Biden administration and then also those who are not in it? I think, um, Biden allies are extremely frustrated right now. You know, I talked to members of Congress, um, uh, people who are very close to the administration, and I think they are just really frustrated that that we would even be in this situation. Um, you know, that so many of the same complaints that are being expressed now are just very similar to how people felt, you know, a, a year ago at this time. Um, now, you know, to be fair, there are vaccines and the vaccine rollout has been um, quite good in terms of availability. Um, and a lot of the frustration, you know, a lot of it is pointed at Biden, but there is also this sort of matching frustration at people who have decided not to get vaccinated. And they are the ones who are, um, you know, taking up hospital beds. I mean, these are people who did not want to listen to doctors, did not want to listen to science before they got sick. But when they get sick, they suddenly are willing to listen to doctors. So, uh, you know, I, I think there is a, a sort of, you know, a large, you know, a high level of frustration from the from the administration, particularly at, at those who have decided not to take the vaccine. So as we wrap up here, I guess politically, do you think if Biden doesn't get kind of like the reins on this, what ramifications do you think politically this has for him moving forward? I mean, I think that he has to get the reins on, it, on this. There's just no option. We cannot be in this scenario um, for very much longer without seeing Biden's approval ratings just, you know, collapse. And they're already pretty low. Um, so I think, you know, I, I think he he does not have an option of not fixing this. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, you know, from that perspective, there's a, there is urgency there. I think they understand the problem. Okay. Well, that was Annie Linsky, a White House reporter at The Washington Post. Thank you so much. Thank you. Now, the Republicans have some very strange and deranged sexual frustrations. <laughs> Find out the details oh. on AOC's latest attack against the GOP. What Next. a plot twist. Yep. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. 
AOC took a little vacation to Florida over the holidays, which I find interesting considering that's the one place that all the Democrats criticize. Yeah, why don't you just go right into the lion's den? Go, go get him and enjoy your time in Florida. Don't expect like the Republicans are going to say anything about it after the fact. They were going to go say something about it if she would have went to the coast of Mexico or no. to the Bahamas or to the Saint Tropez. Like they would have said anything about it in in the ways of how they weaponize any little thing that she does. So her going to Florida, in my opinion, is just like I mean, one, there's better vacation spots, girl. No shade, but then two. Why can't she go for a vacation? I'm not against her going on vacation. I just think it is funny when you talk about the one state they say, like, doing the most irresponsible things. And why do people keep on frolicking to Florida? Well, then you go to frolic to Florida. Well, is she? Is that what she's saying? Like, that no, so it, this is, this that's is, the issue of people, like, frolicking no. to Florida? All right. Your words, not hers. Well, frolicking. Did she use the I word didn't, frolicking? I, I'm I'm using general steam. No, but I like that word. I, I I haven't I'm said that word. I'm using the word frolic forever. because Steve Cortez, who's a, a, a Republican, used it. Wow, you're using Republican lingo on it this. It was a word that was in a tweet I just saw. Wow, frolic. Tucker Crew. Uh, <laughs> what's his name? Tucker Carlson. I almost forgot. 2022. We almost forgot about Tucker Carlson <laughs> until now. Okay, so Steve Cortez, actually, who's uh you. He's actually a broadcaster, but a Republican broadcaster, uh-huh. tweeted mm-hmm. this. And this is what brought up the conversation about her uh, her whole jaunt in Florida. He posted a picture, like it was a paparazzi shot of AOC and her boyfriend, who was wearing Birkenstocks, by the way. I love good Birkenstocks. And this guy, Steve Cortez, says, if leftists like AOC actually thought ma- mandates and masking worked, they wouldn't be frolicking in free Florida. Two, her guy showing his gross pale male feet in public, not at a pool or beach, with hideous sandals. I'm sorry. Steve, just say you have a foot fetish if you have a foot well, fetish. So then AOC tweets, if Republicans are mad they can't date me, they can just say that instead of projecting their sexual frustrations onto my boyfriend's feet, you Period. creepy weirdos. Because I bet you a lot of them have probably tried to ask her out on a date and they've gotten denied because they're weird. First of all, let's set up the picture for you. They're sitting outside. Yeah, they're, they're drinking. I hate like her hand, like her hands on her drink. Of course, spot. her mask is not on. I don't understand what Republicans are really wanting here, because guess what? We can name plenty of examples where Republicans have decided to not do the right thing when it comes to legislation are actually working and has put us all, the American people, in such uncomfortable positions where we can't even move forward. And yes, Democrats have a lot of things going on as well. You know, Steve Manchin, we see you out there. Is it Joe Manchin? Joe Manchin. It's so many whatevers. I don't even care. He ain't even that important, but he is important because he's ruining everything. Um... But it my my thing is, this is the wrong thing to be focusing on. Everyone's on vacation. She's outside doing what anyone else would have done. What's the problem here? I just think that why, when you're such a public figure like that and you're in the middle of so many different controversies with the Republicans, why go to on such a public vacation? Like, go a bit somewhere a bit more private. This is giving when uh, Republicans were upset that Kamala Harris bought pots and pans. I don't understand. Yeah, they were up. They were upset that she spent like three hundred dollars on some good pots and pans because she was. But then also another thing. Then her feeding into this tweet, which I, I get, it, it is funny. Like it is funny that this guy is just obsessed with her boyfriend's feet. Like get over it. Stop being a weirdo. But now you're bringing up the sexual frustrations. Now we're getting into Mean Girls territory. I feel what. <laughs> 
You genuinely feel that. I feel like this is getting just, I, I'm kind of sick of the back and forth that has nothing to do okay. with the issues. I'll give you that. I, I will give you that. The back and forth is a little immature. It's just uh, immature. so immature. But I Why will, feed into and go down to their level? But my thing is, what's super frustrating about that hot take, which it is a hot take because it's spicy. It's a hot um, take. I, I think what's super frustrating about that is because Republicans get to say what they want, do what they want, okay. and then Democrats just have to be like these higher people. And like when, you know, Michelle Obama said, you know, said it best. When they go low, you go high. Screw that. I'm going to talk about you fetishizing and being weird when I'm just simply trying to go on my vacation and you're interrupting and posting paparazzi photos. No one asked you to do that, well, Steve. Then just tweet, stop being a creep and uh, no. bothering me on my vacation and, and focusing on my boyfriend's feet. I'm happy to talk politics with you, yeah. but st- you're not like, uh, what's it called? Uh, what's the fashion police? <laughs> what? Uh, now that was a hot time. <laughs> no, here's the thing. I, I, think, I think for me, and I have no problems with calling AOC out when it comes to being tone deaf, like when she went to the Met Gala and she wore that dress. I felt like that was a tone deaf moment, right? I've like, been going to Florida in the midst of a huge outbreak where Florida is like the worst in terms of governing this. There's so many places kind of that are the deaf. worst. I mean, she was, I'm, as long as she's following the rules and, and doing what she needs to do to be safe and she's vaccinated and boosted, she's allowed to vacation. Con- but context matters. She's allowed to vacation. She wasn't allowed to vacation. Yes, you are. Just choose where you're going to go. And don't be surprised when the Republicans come and attack you and make fun of you. Trust me. I'm not willing to die on the hill to go vacation like I'm the tourist, like tourism board of Florida. Like, that's just not what I'm doing here. But if she wants to vacation, cool. What if she was visiting family? Like well, then, or I, his then I would like her to say that. I want you want to know too much of her damn business. I don't know enough. That's the problem. So now we're just speculating. Please. Let us know what you think at LGT Show. Slide into our DMs. Let's get the convo going. I can't. I think the, the biggest plot twist of 2022 is Shira basically revealing she's a Republican. Never. <laughs> Next up, re- revelations from Janet Jackson's upcoming documentary. You're not going to want to miss this. Next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We are back. Yes, it's Shira and Ryan. We're back on the airwaves live in 2022. I know. And lots coming up, including <laughs> we we need to. I mean, this is the one show we're going to do this. What? What? We're talking about New Year's resolutions. Yeah, that's... Um, Every know, year, it's like Groundhog's Day. And my stance on it still has not changed. Even though I have kind of revamped the way that I do resolutions, even though, because I'm not a, a resolutions person. So I revamped it, and I did something uh, new, and, and it feels good. Oh, did you trademark it? No, no, <laughs> no, I didn't. We're going to talk more about Ryan's resolutions I, well, in 15 minutes. I don't have any. That's the thing. Well, your approach to it. Yeah, true. Okay, don't give too much away. True. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour, though. Senator Rand Paul is saying his New Year's resolution, speaking of that, is to quit YouTube. And he said this in a Washington Examiner examiner op-ed. Well, I'm glad you're here watching my video on YouTube. The fact is, I don't know how long this will be up since YouTube has decided to start censoring me and pulling down my videos. But don't worry, you can watch this video on rumble.com slash Rand Paul, where I post all of my content. Love to see you over at Rumble.com. So again, that was Senator Rand Paul. I thought he said Bumble.com at first. I was like, oh, this is interesting. My thing is, no matter what Republicans feel like they need to do, like, 
no one is people on social media regardless if you are a democrat or a republican or whatever people are just lazy no one's gonna go watch for your content unless they're like just as crazy as you are and there are a lot of those people out because there. Rand Paul acts like he's not doing anything wrong but you are if you are now at the state where we are how many years into this pandemic are we in at this point like it's what it's going into the third year mm-hmm. and you're still kind of being a denier or you're still like questioning legitimate scientific fact girl lock him up into the loony bin <laughs> give him his own social network please yeah, it is fascinating how this continues. It kind of gets like a broken record. Like, okay, we're not in 2020 anymore, yeah, right? I don't like I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm not just sick of the statements, but it's getting old. And like, if your only resolution is to quit YouTube, girl, got to raise the bar. I need you to because it's <laughs> in hell. <laughs> So now speaking of censorship, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene said today she has been temporarily barred from posting on her Facebook account by the social network less than a day after losing her personal Twitter account, too. She said Facebook has joined Twitter in censoring me. And she wrote this on Getter, G-E-T-T-R, a social media platform favored by some right wing conservatives. This is beyond censorship of speech. Let's remember also, it's it's not just, you know, social networks that are quote-unquote censoring her and just taking her misinformation down. By the way, they would do that to anyone. You're not special. They just did it to Joe Rogan. Yeah, and they're kind of all on the same kind of page here. But guess what? They do it to other people, too. Once again, you're not special. And there is an issue with what they decide to take down and not take down, but they've been very clear about their rules and regulations in terms of spreading information about COVID and misinformation, right? Even though her, um, like, I guess her her professional account, the the, the representative account, um, is still up, which I wonder if she, well, she has not posted on this since December 19th. So I wonder if she'll start to kind of use that or as, like, someone locking that down and being like, nope, this is only official work business. Well, listen, if you're going to attack these platforms, you might as well also attack the House, who... A reminder voted to strip Green of her committee membership in response to her behavior, too. So basically, everyone's out to get this person. Nothing is wrong with her. Let's point the finger outwards. Yeah. When you're the common denominator, you know, it's time to make a change, perhaps. And finally, the FDA approved use of the Pfizer booster for children as young as 12 years old. The extra shot was recommended for children 12 to 15 old uh, years old if enough time has passed since their second dose. And final approval for this shot for younger teens is expected to come later this week from the CDC. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so Janet Jackson has a new documentary out. And honey, let me tell you this. She is literally talking about everything. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. And an extended trailer for the special that was released yesterday. The documentary's um, producers are heard asking Janet whether the allegations against Michael Jackson affected her career-wise. And um, here is what she had to say. The allegations affect you career-wise. Yeah. Guilty by association. I guess that's what they call it, right? So 
this it's like a three or four minute actual full trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, when I tell you, it's literally talking about you know when she was pregnant. It's talking about Michael Jackson. It's talking about the father. The mother is in it. Um, where she's talking about Michael. We're really it's seeing Janet Jackson stripped in a way that just feels like kind of unheard of because you know she is very uh, mum's the word. And um, it's just wild that we're finally getting to see this candid confession and a two-part documentary titled Janet. It's set to premiere on Annie and Lifetime on January 28th. So we most definitely have something to look forward to this this month. And uh, not only that, She's also talking about Justin Timberlake. Um, yeah. It also examines the fallout from Janet's 2004 Super Bowl performance with Justin in which she exposed um, her breasts to the audience. In the trailer, I don't know if she's sitting down with her manager, but he's like saying, oh, Justin and his team wants to see if you want to like talk and do the Super Bowl again. And it's like, what? Like, what do you even mean? And you don't really, we don't really know what her response to is, but it was a nice little tease. All I'm saying is that full extended trailer was absolutely iconic. Head over to wearechannelq.com if you want to check it out. And of course, keep us followed at LGT Show everywhere as we have T-Report and Top of the Hour News on the hour at the top of every hour. Beautiful. Well, next up, with over 140 million Americans planning to commit to a New Year's resolution, I don't even know how they come up with these numbers. Like, how do they know? Are they in our minds? How to approach it differently than before? We'll give you some options next. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're talking about New Year's resolutions. If you're sick of the topic, don't worry because we're talking about a new angle that you've never heard of. Are we? (laughs) Ryan, I'm trying to sell this. Oh, God, are we? Don't sell lies. Well, yeah. Here's the thing. I feel like resolutions are becoming uh, a... One of those things, like, everyone does it. It's like Valentine's Day or, like, those days that were packaged for you to, like, f- to feed into it, right? And you're like, well, Valentine's Day, like, every day is a day Talking about love. capitalism? Did you just go into a capitalism? Yeah, market? a bit of a capitalistic thing. Yeah, how many things are companies are selling New Year's resolutions from, obviously, working out to diets to uh, journals and wellness companies? I mean, it's it's an easy entry way to sell you stuff. And so uh, I also think it's yeah. this idea that... Starting anew is great. I think a lot of us need that, right? And I love the idea of saying, okay, this feels like a new phase, a new chapter. But then also it's this idea that like if you don't 
get it done, you're like not worthy or you're a failure or realizing like every day is a chance to get on whatever resolutions or goals you have. I don't like them. I never have. I think it's uh, resolutions altogether are just something to make you feel bad at the end of the year about the things that you didn't accomplish when you should really be going into the year feeling like you just kind of just want to if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Right. And I think it puts this pressure on you to achieve the most are the Uh these unrealistic expectations. Right. And I think I think it's important to set goals for yourself, right? Um, I think the way I've kind of reframed it in the past few years is I write out a gratitude list of all the things that last year, like, I was grateful for because it also allows me to sit down and kind of be present and remember a lot of the things that either I experienced or the things of growth and all that stuff versus just being like, what do I want to accomplish next year? I think that's just, like, the worst. I, now, I do write a list of, like, the things I want to accomplish so I can, like, you know, review it at the end of the year. I review it and be like, oh, wow, I was able to do that. Mm-hmm. I do, I've done that every year. But as as far as, like, a, re- a resolution, especially when it comes to my body or uh, when it comes to um, me changing something about myself that's wrapped in what society deems as negative, I don't really like that. I don't, I'm not okay with that. That's not, that's not for me. Yeah. I think that is fair and a good way of looking at it. And I love that. I love the gratitude list. What I think, and listen, I'm part of this and I I find myself falling into this, is focusing on these so many goals outside of you, right? How many Mm -hmm. times do people focus on like their own internal value, right? Like I want to be, and obviously when you say I want to be more joyful and more loving, like, well, what does it actually mean in terms of actions? And that's where... You could put out like, well, this is what that means, right? Yeah. How I express that is through this. Or what I could do more in my life to get that is this. But like our focus on all these external things that I'm going to do. I'm going to make this this much money or I'm going to get this job or I'm going to go on this vacation. I find, and I'm guilty of this, you get so distracted in those external things that you forget. You're like, whoa, wait, like. How do I actually feel right now? Am I feeling that way or am I just feeling anxious as well, I'm creating all these things? I mean, as we're sitting here thinking, talking about this, I wonder, are we at a point because we've been through basically going on three years of a pandemic? Are we at a point where we should be past setting resolutions that feel so self-centered? Shouldn't our resolutions, if we were to set them be like more of a resolution that's like, how about we all collectively get the hell up out of here and get past this and vaccinate Mars, ourselves? like, go to Mars? No, well, you know, like, <laughs> collectively, like, actually all get on the same page. Like, I wonder, should our, our, our resolutions be so self-centered anymore? That is something to think about. I think there could be a balance, right? Like, you could want to make money, and part of making money is so you can hire people and so you can give back. Well, what's, right? between, like, what's the difference between a goal and a resolution? They're the same. I feel like are the they? Same. Then there's intentions. Then there's the wait, no, like we have intentions. See, that's the thing. I don't think a goal and a resolution is the same. What is the difference? I think okay. So I think a goal is a time limit, right? Um, as a like you're setting your a, a goal, being like, well, maybe at the end of this month, yeah. I save a certain amount of money, right? That's your goal. A resolution 
is just like you're you're not putting a timeline on. Like you're not you putting a timeline on. Twenty twenty two. This is what I want to accomplish by the end of twenty twenty two. But you're not, I don't. But that's the thing. I don't think that's ever how that really pans out, in my opinion. Well, I, I, resolutions. I feel like you continue to set. Normally, people set the same resolutions every single year. <laughs> there's something to look at. That's not a time. That's but, not a time. But that's there's something to look at. Why is it something that keeps popping up? Can you actually like deal with that? But I don't think right? resolutions are enough to motivate people to want to accomplish what they're saying. I think goals motivate folks to accomplish what they want to do. Well, yeah, because we tend to put these umbrella statements around it, right? Like, I'm going to do this. Well, then I, I always do. Then you have to have subcategories, right? Like, what does that actually mean in terms of your daily... I don't want daily, a spreadsheet. What do you well, mean daily actions or weekly <laughs> actions. No. So my friend sent me this 2022 prompts, uh, journal prompts. And a lot of them had to do, like... Um, what it, well, it had to do with looking back at last year and what did you like and what did you feel proud of and all that, which is important in your gratitude. Mm. Then it said looking forward, like what do you want to do more of? And then put it in order of significance, like on a high to low scale or like how important is it to you? Or like how do you hope to accomplish those things that you want to See, do? See, I don't like that because that gives me – that feels like now I don't, I just found something that's going to, I don't know, encapsulate my – anxiety into a, a, a listicle right because now i'm anxious about what what if this should be number one and not number 10 what if that should be number two why is that not number eight and why you know it's just like i think that type of energy is not is not helping you to really sit down and focus yeah. on the things that really matter i think there's two things there is like being clear about really what you want to accomplish in your life and how you're going to do it. And then there's also this side of it that's saying like, are you going to be so rigid about these things that are you going to stop living your life? Right? Yeah. Like there's a balance between being a responsible human and like, and, and responsible to yourself and what you want to accomplish in this life. And then being so obsessed with those things that you actually, yeah, you become a, a very selfish narcissistic person and everything around that. You're not even seeing. Yeah, and I think we one thing that gets lost out of this conversation, and maybe our expert next segment mm -hmm. will help us with this, is what if the what, what happens to the people who are just going into the new year being like, I don't know how to do a resolution. I don't I don't know how like I don't have anything right now. Is that a bad thing? Is that a good thing? Is like should we all just be in that type of mind frame? I don't know. Maybe. Well, also the science behind New Year's resolutions because when you do like the the idea of creating a habit could be really positive. So mm -hmm. we're going to talk more about oh, that next. True. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan Channel Q. Okay, we're talking about New Year's resolutions still. Yeah. We we gave you our take on it. And there's actually science behind this, which really um, is about creating habits, new habits in your life, whether it be for a new year or just, you know, looking at your life every day or every week, whatever you want to do a check-in, which, by the way, I think check-ins are really important with yourself. Like, even if it's weekly, like, where am I at? Am I happy with myself? Am I happy with what I'm doing and how I'm doing it? Sure. We actually have an expert on the line. Can and you now joining us to give her take on this. <laughs> Uh, is Lisa Ardonez, who uh, is uh, the Stanley and Pauline Foster Endowed Chair and Dean of the Rady School of Management at the University of California, San Diego. Yes, thanks yes. for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. Okay, you wrote this paper. You've done a lot of research on this topic called Goals Gone Wild. What is your take on New Year's resolutions? And then I want to get into goals as a, a general topic. Sure, sure. So, so my research is in the field of management. So we were thinking about organizations 
when we were talking about goal setting and many organizations have them and often pay people to achieve them. But many of the things that we study do connect to individuals. And so, you know, the, the message from the Gold Gone Wild piece was not necessarily to say don't make goals, but be careful in how you set them. So I won't necessarily say don't set New Year's resolutions, although there's lots of reasons why that 80% of all New Year's resolutions fell by February in a U.S. News will report study. So there's just a whole bunch of reasons why, right? They, yeah. they do help us get started, right? But they don't motivate us to continue. So, you know, one of my big examples is working out. That's kind of something that I, you know, I struggle with. I'll do great for six months and then off for six months and so forth. But um, so they do get us started, but they don't help us along the way. Um, they, can be, they can be discouraging, right? And we can miss the mark and then, then all kinds of negative emotions. And right now, of course, with the pandemic, we don't need even more reasons to beat up on ourselves. Well, and that's my thing, right? I honestly, I and I talked about this before, I don't really enjoy resolutions. I don't think they're great. I don't make them. I, they are just not my vibe. And so I feel like after, as we're going into the third year of the pandemic, should we really be focused on this idea of like self-improvement? Like, is that really important right now for like for us? Well, I mean, I think we all have to decide what are the, you know, the things that we want to work on. But I do think that there's just a whole host of other things that, that come with setting resolutions and putting the line in the sand. And my favorite example, and all of this is based on other research studies, not necessarily mine, my favorite example is the what the hell effect. Hmm. You know, you've got a goal for only so many calories in a day. You realize you've missed it and you pull out the, you know, the box of donuts and continue eating. <laughs> so that in that case, that goal or that resolution backfired and made us even more soft. So I think we have to be really careful about how we set them and how we treat ourselves in the progress. I think you know, for me, self-improvement has always been something I've focused on. So I don't think that in itself is bad, but I think it's what we do to ourselves when we don't measure up. Oh, yeah. I really think so much of change, like any change that we want to make, it takes so much discipline. Like that is yeah. the bottom line and it takes us shifting our behavior. It's not just an action. Like you actually have to create new neural connections in your brain for you to make that action work for you. Right. Right. Well, we have to understand how we work as, as human creatures. And in fact, I think you said it just right. I think I would not talk about resolutions and I would talk about forming good habits. Mm. And I've been, I feel like I've been promoting my colleague, uh, colleague's book she just published. She's a professor at Wharton, Katie Milkman. She has a book, a new book uh, that hit the Wall, uh, Wall Street Journal list of top books, How to Change. And what she focuses on is what are the things getting in the way of creating these good habits? Because we, we have lots of habits, <laughs> some of them good and many of them not so good. So obviously we as human beings do create habits. How do we make them purposeful? How do we pick the ones that we want and display some of the bad habits? And I think that book kind of brings up some of the issues. Some of them might be yours, some of them might not be, but they help you and she has some, some tips for things that you can do to kind of, uh, you know, 
get over those those problems. Yeah, I love that. I got to check that out. I also love the book Atomic Habits. It makes it really accessible to shift your habits. So thank you so right. much. And, and exactly. So because, you know, being healthy is a lifelong thing. It's not going to be this year I'm going to be healthy and it's done. Right. Right. You know, learn a language and, you know, you're done. <laughs> you know, you're, you're constantly learning. You're constantly doing and what you need to do is find a way to make this part of your lifestyle. That's true. Well, that was Lisa Ordonez from the University of California, San Diego. Thank you so much for joining us. Really interesting. Well, thanks for having me. Well, up next, we're going to be looking at the overused phrases that should not be brought into 2022, according to this annual list. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. I don't know. I, I also, I already am kind of sick of some words. What? Like what? What's the words? Because I've been, as you know, in the NFT crypto space recently. Okay. I took some time off. Talk about I it. I dove in since I didn't go on a va- vacation. It seems I went on vacation online. I'm vicariously living through you no, in this No, everyone NFT says world. GM. Like, instead of good morning, they say GM. But it's to the point where it's, like, really too much, like... Is it's it because they don't have enough time because they're focusing on no, the next No, it just says GM. That- instead of good morning, like, it's me saying, oh, good morning, what's up, Ryan? Everyone says GM at the beginning of the day. It's like a thing that you need to say. So if you're on a podcast or even being interviewed for a show, everyone's like, GM, 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 GM. Is this, wait, is this like a secret NFT like chat room? No, it's just things that people say. Like if I said good morning to you. Yeah, but you know good morning has been around. I feel like GM. But now people just say GM. I feel like GM has been around though. Oh, well, I don't, they co-opted it. <laughs> Are those the words that you decided uh, to get so rid of? So I want to, uh, no, I'm just like, I don't know how I feel about it. Like, I, I, I'm scared to use it. It means I've gone down that rabbit hole. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I think I've, I overuse the word awesome. I would yeah. like to not use it so much, maybe. Okay. I overuse the word, uh, well, there is another a word that you, that you say I use so much. You're like, can you just not use that word? Maybe it was awesome. I, it probably was awesome. Yeah. It probably was. All right. What are your words that you want to be banished? And then we're going to the actual Yeah, words. yeah. So, because um, we got to wrap this up, actually. Yes. Um, so, BIPOC ally, for sure. Um, I do not like the word, um, let's ban moist. <laughs> That's just a, a word that people, yeah, have hated for a long time. Yeah, but people still use Although it, unfortunately. They describe let's ban something it. that let's I, I understand it. when you say that. Um, I, I think we should also ban... Um, the words um, are the acronym NFT because I'm not sure if it stands for anything, but I'm also tired. Already. I'm also overhearing about it. <laughs> so I'm overhearing I, about I Bitcoin. Get... <laughs> uh, so just things that you're over now. We're not even talking about phrases. Like I'm just over this wardrobe malfunction. Can we stop talking like, about literally, that? Literally, I'm just okay. done. <laughs> We're already done with the year. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So these are the ten phrases that made 2021's list. Wait, what? That phrase. Oh. <laughs> this phrase I actually use a lot. Okay. No worries. <laughs> I see it all the time. Or you know what also I say? All good. All good. Oh, yeah. I don't like that. Because it's not all good. <laughs> we are not in a place where anything is good. <laughs> and then this at the end of the day, which I do think I say this as well. Uh, that being said, I say that too. Really? Yeah, I go. That being said. It, which mm. is, yeah. <gasps> you know what word I want to get, a uh, phrase I want to get rid of? 
What? And just like that. I That's have, getting annoying. I have been on a binge of the OG oh Sex in the City and the, obviously the new series uh, and just like that. And if you did not know, if you want to go back and watch Sex in the Cities, I think that's where they got the new name for And Just Like That because Sarah Jessica Parker, Carrie, says it literally in it's every too much single now. episode. Well, it's just like the previous uh, show that she ended it with this uh, phrase as well, right? Girl, no? you literally just repeated what I just said. Oh, that's I, that's I was why I'm saying the original list. store, the original show. Uh, actually, well, she what ended, is the phrase? Again? And just like that, Samantha oh, did that. Th- oh, it's she the literally, same thing? she literally. I said, thought it was something different. No, she. Li- that's how she always like. Why well, wasn't it annoying then? It's annoying now. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted. I really wanted to talk about these last two phrases. Okay, what's the last two? Right, we got to wrap. At the end of the day. Oh yeah, I said that. That being said, did I say that? Yep. Ask. I'm like losing it here. <laughs> Asking, I'm losing it. Dude. Oh my god! Asking for a friends, which I think is funny, oh, but it's kind of annoying. One. No, asking for a I, friend. All right, I do these two. These next two, I do. Okay, give it to me. Circle back. Oh god! And deep dive. Let's do a deep dive. Oh I yeah. Say that. Yeah. And new normal. Okay. You're on mute. All right. Well, you're about to be on mute because we have more <laughs> show coming up in the next hour. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. It's the way that I love me some Kim Petra's future starts now. You know, we always got the bops coming into Channel Q. 2022, that's not going to stop. I know. 2022, there's so many things to rhyme with it. 2022, I'm in you. What? Why was that the first thing that came to your mind? that out this weekend. 2022, I'm in you. Don't you say this sometimes when you're in a city, like, I'm in in you. Yeah, I remember people were doing that in 2007 when Tyler Oakley was saying it. I'm bringing it back. (laughs) But I'm in you sounds very sketch. No. It's, uh, that's it what catches Omicron, people's attention. That's literally what Omicron is saying to us. 2022, I'm in you. I'm trying to <laughs> redefine what that means. All right, what's coming up in this hour? Well, we have Julie Pacino joining us. Al Pacino's daughter to talk about her latest NFT project. She is a filmmaker, and I just think this is really cool. She's also part of the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, and I think this is going to be a perfect time to talk about what it all means, and also why it's important for uh, different communities to be, to be part of it, and if it is actually inclusive. I feel bad that I only know her. Well, I don't. It's not like I only know her dad from this, but I most recently only know him from House of Gucci. Yeah, he's been in a lot of other. Movies. I know, but I just want to be like, I loved your dad in House of Gucci. Say it. You know, I'm, I will. I'm sure she I have hasn't no heard that with saying. <laughs> Okay, let's uh, get into some what's trending this hour. That is going to be in 15 minutes, by the way, if you're wondering. Julie Pacino joining us right here on Let's Go There. Now, She's moving on. very excited on. about Julie joining us. I am. So, Amy Schneider, who was the first transgender contestant to qualify for Jeopardy's Tournament of Champions, had to address the transphobic commentary center through messages over the course of December in a tweet on the last day of the year. It's really unfortunate saying, I'd like to thank all the people who have taken the time during this busy holiday season to reach out and explain to me that actually I'm a man. Every single one of you is the first person ever to make that very clever point, which had never once before crossed my mind. Um, And then uh, other people continued. um, As a former contestant, someone tweeted Michael Vance um, and the parent of a young trans woman who did Quiz Bowl. It's been great to watch you. Congrats on your stake on having the grace to take the high road with these trolls 
and other things. So we just want to give a shout out to her right now. Um, she's been getting a lot of support, unfortunately, also a lot of the trolling. But uh, we wanted to highlight the support and also highlight her if you, in case you didn't know her because not everyone follows Jeopardy. Amy Schneider, go check her out. Now, as Omicron surges, Florida Surgeon General Joseph Ladapo says the state is working to unwind the COVID testing psychology that the government has set up. What does that even mean? Okay, let's play it. We're going to be working to unwind the sort of testing psychology that our federal leadership has managed to, unfortunately, get much most of the country in over the last two years. We need to unwind this testing sort of... Okay, uh, that was Florida Surgeon General Joseph Ladapo, yeah, who basically said, we just need to get back to normal life. Enough with the tests. Enough with the mandates. Just let things go and continue as is. We all would want that as well, but... We can't do that because we have to keep testing. We, we have like to we can't rely on these this. things. Like he, yeah. he was trying to say, we can't rely on these things. What, and what like, else are we supposed to rely on? Those are our only resources and tools. <laughs> Someone take him off of whatever he's doing because he's going to kill everyone. Whatever he's on. Now, uh, moving on to Senator Joe. Oh, and, he, and he's a Florida surgeon. Yeah. He's like Florida. Exactly. Wow, Florida. Uh, moving on to Senator Joe Manchin, who is open to reengaging on the climate and child care provisions in President Biden's Build Back Better agenda if and if the White House removes the enhanced child tax credit from the $1.75 trillion package or lowers the income caps for eligible families. So I, I think this is uh, movement. We've moved forward in this, but... You know, hopefully he's not going to take it away. Just lower it for families. If you have uh, $400,000, I don't think you need maybe the child tax credit. Very true. But that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news? What are you going to tease for next hour? Exactly. Um, well, Britney Spears, uh, honey, she is unfollowing some family members. Follow out who got the latest block coming up next. Okay. Well, next up, NFTs may be the new darling of the tech realm, but could they be a new way to highlight artists? We're going to speak to one artist um, who, Julie Pacino, Al Pacino's daughter, who is a member of the community on where it's all going and her project next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. So our next guest, and this is the only time I'm going to say this because her work is incredible. We're going to talk about her work and focus on her, but she is Al Pacino's daughter. Which, oh my God, loved him in House of Gucci. Of course. Amongst it, many other I mean, it was things. great. I mean, House of Gucci. But you know, Ryan's a youngin'. So, Are you kidding me? Yes. It was great. Uh, so she was recently chosen as one of 40 artists from all around the world to create an original work for Time Magazine's NFT initiative, Build a Better Future. She was also selected as an artist for the art of gender and sexuality and featured at Art Basel as part of Playboy Magazine's first ever grant exhibit with Sevens. I'm so excited to have Julie Pacino joining us here. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. How's everyone doing? Happy New Year. Yes, Happy yes, New Year. Yes, Happy New Year. I mean, honestly, my New Year is uh, getting a little confused on what this NFT mess is because Shira keeps trying to convince me that it's something cool. It is. 2022 is definitely the year of the NFTs. Yeah, I want you to explain why, but Bold also um, as a heads up, Julie is an amazing a photographer, filmmaker, has her own project that we're going to talk about in a moment called Keepers of the In dot art, which you, you should definitely check out. But let's get back to, for context, why you think 2022 is the year of the NFT. Yeah, I mean, so NFTs, I, I don't know if, <laughs> I know it's, it's, 
it's quite a foreign thing to a lot of people. And, and honestly, it was it was to me. Um, I got involved in the NFT scene um, almost a year ago, and um, you know, it's just it, it's a it's a community of artists that are supporting other artists, and it's basically a way to connect uh, different artists directly with their collectors. And you know, I, there's a big movement happening to create a sort of self-sustaining ecosystem in which the artwork comes first. Uh, you know, obviously, it's a it revolves around cryptocurrency and decentralization, uh, and so you know, I, I think personally, I'm excited about it because I, there's there is a need for more art in this world, and and I think um, you know, eliminating gatekeepers and middlemen is something that the Web three NFT community is is all about, and so for that reason, I'm I'm excited about 2022. Yeah, and I think that's really interesting the way you broke that down. I I wonder, especially because when you're bringing something in like your your NFT photography collection, your art, your kind of your baby in some ways, and you're bringing into this new space that still feels unfamiliar, kind of like uncharted territory. Is there some worries about kind of jumping into it? Like you're just like I don't know what we're doing, but it thinks like you know it has some really cool opportunities for it to grow into something beautiful. What was your initial thoughts about? About kind of jumping into the space yeah absolutely yeah that's a good question it's it is so early like it's such an early thing a lot of people refer to it kind of like the wild west because um you know there's no like customer service line that you can call if, <laughs> if you fuck something up on on the blockchain it's just it's permanent and it and um you know it's it, it is it's decentralized so everyone is sort of in control of, of their own fate and destiny but yeah when when i first when I first came on the scene, it was it was intimidating. It was almost like learning a new language. But the people and the artists and the collectors that I, I've connected with are so warm and welcoming and just down to hold your hand through it and explain it. And, and um, I just I, I felt really instantly embraced by the community and felt, you know, really seen and heard um, as an artist and people, you know, were off the bat just very interested in getting to know me and my art and um and again just like art being the thing that comes first in yeah. this community is, you know is, is very comforting and that's interesting because when we talk about tech or innovation a lot of times it's associated with like you know tech bros right it's a very um, mm -hmm. male dominated space and i would even say add in other layers to it yeah like white and hetero, cis hetero, right? And so as someone who's a part of the LGBTQ community, like how does your identity intersect with this space and bring more diversity and inclusion to it? Because that is so important right now. Yeah, it is definitely a very white, cis male dominated space. But to be completely honest, like I was onboarded into the community by a straight white guy and right? me, yeah, me too it's a, the, okay. the, exactly that's hilarious that's great so it's like they're, they're yes it's dominated but but i've i've found that they're very you know they're very supportive and willing yeah. to you know give me a platform to to have a voice on and with my drop you know as a queer woman in the space i'm looking to with this collection uh, really pave a path and, and help open some doors for other women and, you know, any other, any, anyone that, that feels like they're a minority, you know, I, I would like to 
I would like to help on board. And that's that's one of the initiatives that we're that we're tackling with this drop. Okay, so well, you know, I may be hitting you up then. Um, but I, I would love Please to. Do. I would love to know. Let's talk about the project. Let's talk about um, the keepers of the inn project. What is that? Break it all down for us. Sure. So essentially, it's a series of three thousand three hundred and fifty-six photos or NFTs that I took during the rehearsal process for my feature film which is called I Live Here Now. And the film is a psychological horror. It's going to shoot entirely at the Madonna Inn Hotel, which is, if you've never heard of it, just Google it and scroll through some of the images. It's absolutely iconic and, and stunning. Um, and so this drop, by, by owning one of these pieces, the community of holders will be able to weigh in directly on creative decisions as we move through pre-production and into production of the film. So the proceeds are going to go towards financing the film. Uh, but we're also going to use a portion of the pro of the proceeds to, uh, like I said, onboard other women into the space. We're going to be opening up a grants program that will call for other women to submit concepts for, uh, short films that they want to direct and, um, you know, take a bunch of the sales on the secondary market and put it right back into just purchasing, female artists that are already in the space, you know, there's, there's a pretty wild statistic that came out where uh, 5% of NFT sales were, were made by women, uh, mm -hmm. which is just insane. And, and, and I think, you know, with this drop, we can, we can put a huge dent in that. I've already been purchasing art from women in the space who haven't made a sale yet. And, and that's, that's something great. that we want to continue to do with this. Okay, well, thank you so much for breaking that down. There's so many words I'm sure we mentioned. People were like, what? Drop, which means a release, by the way. Uh, oh, my God. Wrap it up. Okay. <laughs> Julie, we have to go. We are live. You have been a pleasure, and I'm excited to get to know you more and to do more stuff with you oh to talk God. about your project. It's so cool. Yeah, follow me on Twitter or whatever. I, I, I can break it down further. It's, you know, this is just a short segment. So anyone that wants to hit me up, just, just hit me up and I can make it. I can explain it uh, in more detail. Okay. And uh, that was Julie Pacino, LA-based photographer and filmmaker. Check out her NFT collection of photographs, Keepers of the Inn, keepersoftheinn.art. Okay. And please tell your dad how much I love tuning House of Gucci. I have to say that, you know? I, I have yet to see it, to be honest. So I got to see it too. And then I'll tell him that, that hopefully we both loved it. Yeah, honestly, I know. It's camp. It's great. It's beautiful. Thanks for joining us. You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Have a good one. You too. Next up, there's the first LGBTQ cryptocurrency that's launched, but why it is very questionable and we would say problematic. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. The first LGBTQ plus cryptocurrency has launched. So on Friday, after this pilot test in a popular LGBTQ plus neighborhood in Madrid, Spain, it's uh, called MariCoin. It's launched. M-A-R-I-C-O-I-N. MariCoin. You just said a slur. Well, <laughs> it's it's known. Uh, it's a spin on a gay slur. Yeah. So if um if you know it, it's it's like the F word basically. Yeah. So, so I feel like a weird F saying it. F word coin. Yeah. And I I guess folks in the in the community think that is that kind of funny. 
No. But all right. I think this it's split in the middle. I think it's funny because it's ridiculous and no one should have ever thought of something like this. Um, but I also think it's wrapped up and around like no one understands bitcoins or all these coins and NFTs, like no one gets it. And so then you're adding in this perspective of like kind of like a queerness where you're trying to reclaim, where it's like no one's asking you to do this, like no one wanted this. Until um, they do. No, because then this it, it turns into being problematic because I think the people who engage in this coin, they are like they're transfers, but they're called trans. Yeah, that's like it's too and much. It's just it's like taking no marketing too far. No one asked right? for that. Yeah, so uh, they're saying, as you mentioned, the transfers. Um, they want to empower the community, and they they actually wanted people to sign this equality manifesto, which defends the rights of LGBTQ plus people and all minorities. Those who have signed it will be put on a map that will be available for LGBTQ travelers, which I think this is um, that is pretty cool. So according to the founder, 8000 people were on a waiting list to use Maricoin, and it's actually backed by a venture capital firm. Not mean not that that means that that's that credible, but, you know, they're. They make it like that makes it more credible, borderless capital. Um, So as you mentioned, some on social media are criticizing the name because they think it's they've taken it too far. Right. Um, Not to say like I I do think that different communities deserve to have spaces that they launch and they own and they get to be empowered by this. Right. And make money from it. But but why? I think that's the that's the iffy part of this where you're. Kind of, you're saying you're reclaiming it and, and making a space for, and there's like a, a equality manifesto that people have to sign, like businesses have to sign if they want to take it. But I'm just, for me, I just don't get that stuff. I I think when you're when you're trying to reclaim it, but then you're profiting off of it, it just doesn't kind of make sense to me. Yeah, they said um, the founders said they want to harness the community's economic power with the aim of changing the world. Yeah, it, that it, that could have happened with a different name and possibly not this way. Yeah, someone said, oh boy, they're queering capitalism. Yeah, that's that's the big issue. So I think this, though, opens up then, when someone does it wrong, it opens up a space for someone to do it right. So maybe, Ryan, this is your next thing you could launch. No, no I'm just not interested. What would be a better name? Nothing. I just don't let it what happen. I'm not coin? interested in Bitcoin or any of that. Channel Q coin. Hey, you know, we need to monetize better. Maybe this the, is the, the Q and I, the Q and on has already have that going. <laughs> okay. Well, next up, the viral text of someone resigning from his job. I want to know if we've taken trolling bosses too far. Let's discuss that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So, Ryan, last night I found this Reddit thread that went viral on Twitter. Okay. Uh, well, it went viral everywhere, pretty much. <laughs> and it included these uh, this text exchange with someone and their ex-boss, right? So this person resigned from his job via email and then posted the text exchange he had with his boss on social media. Uh and then everyone, I mean, 15,000 retweets later. I mean, this is like 64,000 likes. So people noticed. Wait, so it wasn't email because they resigned via email, but and then, then they started texting their what boss? What happened was the boss texted. Oh, wow. Because saying, hey, I just got your email. Just like, I think this is a pretty normal thing to do. And I don't know the context if this was a small company. To text someone? Company, after they resigned 
during the holidays suddenly saying, "Hey, can we talk no, to you? Like HR that is needs not to talk. Okay. HR needs to have send a call." Send an email. Like, Don't text me. Send an email. So. They said, I received your email. I understand that you're upset, but resigning is not the best choice in the circumstance. So I guess there's some context to this that we don't know. I've been your friend for five years. I'm asking as a friend, not a manager, to reconsider and call me. Let's no, talk about this. No, it's business. You can't, you can't flip-flop like that. I'm so sorry. So here's the thing. Yeah, whatever we think about the situation. I, That's why we're talking about it. Tell us what we think, right? Well, yeah, but I have another also take hot take on this. Okay. Shira's hot take special 2022. I'm kind of sick of these types of posts and how we are making fun of, like in the in the end, we're not making fun of the employee, right? We're all obviously like, go employee, go this person for burning his boss. I kind of I thought this was really tacky, and I think it's really unfair to throw someone on the bus under the bus like this, whether you like your boss or not. I'm just kind of over it. I think it just shows such a lack of compassion for you know the internet just to like go up against someone just because it's a boss, right? Like, bosses are still people. Not all bosses are horrible. They make mistakes like everyone else. I just think this kind of uh, anti-boss attitude that we have, I think it's just, it's it's an annoying. It's I'm, I'm over it. And I, I think it's just rude. I, this is interesting. Um, not to put you on blast, but your anti-boss coming from a boss. Um, because you are literally... But I also have literally... bosses, yeah, so I have a bit... There is a bit of that. <laughs> like, so for, for, for me, as I'm reading these text messages, it was one, they were... It seems like if you fill in kind of the context, they asked for time off and the reason... And they ended up resigning when I guess they weren't getting their needs met or their time off requests. And the, the text message that they sent back to their boss, like once they finally replied, was like, I'll be happy to return if you meet these type of things things like you know a pay upgrade uh, a sign-on bonus six weeks pto and all that stuff whatever um i think oftentimes when it comes to these jobs jobs do not care about you they are trying to get the job done and so if you are taking this moment and you one i hate i think it's completely unprofessional that this person texted them I, i if they resigned via email respond via email don't blow their phone up. I mean, it's like pages of blowing well, their phone up. It's obvious that this person texting. was now freaking out. It's but that's not their that, problem. But then that person could have said, "Hey, email me. No. Let's just do this over email." I just genuinely I just don't feel like that because my thing is why did it have to get to that point where they have to resign? You weren't that clearly that boss wasn't listening to their needs being met until they were screwed or had this moment. Now now they're like, oh, I I need I need this person. I have no other choice. That's an issue. When your leadership skills are are now coming into play when guess what? The it's the last resort when it should have been in play in the beginning. I don't know. And yes, maybe there's something to be said about people posting it online and, and gloating about how So they, here's the thing. Would I'm you, okay with that. Would you want to hire than this person who went like posted online and dragged like would there be a sense of trust with that person or that they could just at any point just put your business out there? But here's the thing. I think it's showing in these in these specific text messages. It's showing that there was not. Um, they were clearly not on the same page, and yeah. that part that boss took them for granted. So when you have those moments and you have to go online and show that, I think that's c- completely fine because a lot of these workplaces do do that. And if you want things to change, things when we think about cultural movement, things have all changed because people have posted it online, and there was people talking about similar experiences, right? That they've experienced. 
kids. And then we saw, guess what? Culturally, things were changing based on, oh, everyone's going through this. We're no longer going to be allowed to do that. It's not about trust. It's not about all of these things. It's like if you can't be a good leader at, in the, at the end of the day, Sometimes you are going to be put on blast. I'm sorry. The internet, that's what the internet is but then, at this point. The thing, like, if we saw someone who was a boss putting their employee on blast, that would be inappropriate. Why is it okay for someone to do it the other and, way? And in what way is that inappropriate? I guess when, when it comes to, I guess that's also a context thing. Because the, yeah. bo- the boss could do it as well, but they also but that, that would have be a more bad, to lose. This yeah, person, this person, that would be a quit. bad look. Like it would be, it would be rude. I just think in general, and I get it. We, I think there needs to be compassion on both sides. I don't think it's one or the other. I just think that um, they, both both sides need an understanding uh, and to be seen and heard in some ways. Because just because you're a boss doesn't mean like oh you're everything is great and hunky dory and like it it, it can be challenging stuff like this only happens when people are at their their wits end i think and, on both sides though but like both sides could be on there but it's end. it's normally the boss's fault for not creating a culture where folks are able to be heard and listened to where they have to then take drastic measures to actually be seen or heard and, and looked at on a actual you know pov and so for me it's it's one of those things where i i, I see where this person's coming from would i have done it probably not because i i come from a school of i don't burn bridges i don't really like to do that but i also understand why people do do it i, I hear you on that coming right from the boss let i'm on both sides of the coin okay? you can't be on both sides it's like but a, i am it's like a landlord here wait so here's like a, the it's thing it's like a landlord trying to be but on both sides of thing. everything that was going I, on i'm uh, i'm an employee here and then i also own my uh, a company so I do see both, and it kind of gives me a bit of uh, perspective to both sides. Does it mean I'm always agreeing with one side or the other? It just means that I see it. And so, yeah, it gives me more perspective, and I would say empathy sometimes towards that. When you're a boss or a leader, you put yourself in that position. When You you have to know how to, to handle well, you show, all you different parts of— Well, you take accountability. Exactly. And so— this is a this is an accountability on the boss, not the But employee. I just think that like us just like trolling people is just not going to create a change. But uh, you know, him maybe sharing not. his his situation what happened maybe. But a whole Twitter thread, so we could all laugh at this person. Is that really creating movement? I'm not sure. I don't even think it's people laughing at it. It's just oh, they were. like they were like, I'm, ah, look at this person falling apart because you quit. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, guess what? That person, that boss, was not wanting to pay them what no. they need to pay. Anyway, we got to keep going. At LGT Show, yeah. join the Let convo. Us Let us know. I don't know. This is a, a juicy one, it seems. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes Queen. Uh, so this LGBTQ support group offers stand-in families for major life events. The group was actually inspired by a viral TikTok video offering stand-in families for gay weddings. I think we've talked about this before, that now has like over 30,000 members across 60 countries. But they were so inspired by this that they decided to do it for other important life events. Which, honestly, this is so incredible. There's something about, like, always the good side of social media that I know often, especially when it comes to Facebook, like is not getting the same type of media play as the negative stuff is. But this is something that feels really important and really could is changing lives, right? And um, it just, it people deserve that. I mean, stand-in families, like, I would have never thought about that. And that was something that I've even thought I would need one day, you know? Yeah, maybe you can do that for someone else now. Um, no, I hate weddings. Well, it's not just weddings, but yes. I'll okay. go to someone's spot. So you fun. could go to... Okay, there you go. <laughs> Supporting your mom, Uh 
you can check out the Facebook group. It's called TikTok Stand-In Families uh, right now if you want to join. They already have 32,000 members. That of course they do. So and I don't cool. hate weddings. I love weddings. And, and go support someone in need because it, that is so important. Yeah. And that's our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes Queen. Guess what? That does it for our first show of 2022 in the books. Burr, 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 burr. Thank you so much for hanging out with us, being part of our family. As always, we're so excited to spend the year with you and grow with you. Yeah, and we have a, um, a special guest joining us on Friday. You know, you've heard her voice here before, but we're very excited that she's joining us. Okay. Do you want to do a, anything else? Say anything else about that person? No, I just want people to think just about tease. it. Yeah, think about all the wonderful voices you've heard and then guess which one is going to be on our show. I'm wondering. I don't even know about this. You do know. Okay. Oh my God. I'm just saying. I'm just like all of you. Please. <laughs> Uh, we're back tomorrow, same time, here live on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. And also, stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris right after this. And we have a podcast, too, so just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts available and search our show. Let's go there with Sheer and Ryan to stay up to date on all our shows and interviews. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 